0: Can I pause for a second and just note that uh, we got Brian on here who's getting uh, Congressman Massey
1: on, and oh, our cool. typical lineup includes like homeless people that believe in Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are
0: Libertarians Network. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest-growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. At the Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now, your host,
1: Brian Nichols.
0: <laughs> you guys are in store for a fun, and I mean fun, episode. Here on the Brian Nichols show. Yes, I am your humble host, Brian Nichols. And, uh, yeah, as I, as I definitely alluded to, Sam Jacobs is my guest this week, uh, from ammo.com. And he and I just had a phenomenal conversation, uh, where we discuss, uh, his latest article actually over at ammo.com called Deplatformed How Big Tech Companies in Corporate America Subvert the Second Amendment. Now, he is a self described Jacksonian conservative. And as you are well aware, unless it's your first time here, at the Brian Nichols Show. In which case, welcome. But this is a libertarian podcast because I'm, you know, a libertarian, and uh, you know, we we definitely have a difference of opinion. Um, but I think it was great to have this conversation with Sam because, you know, it, I, I'm definitely sympathetic to his argument, and and he's definitely sympathetic to mine. And I think. What's awesome is that we were able to have a really interesting conversation, we were able to share each other uh, with uh, different ideas and different perspectives, and I think we actually kind of lead the conversation not only better understanding each other, but dare I say finding some common ground, which is of course the goal here at The Brian Nichols Show. So folks, without further ado, please enjoy today's episode. So, on to the show, Sam Jacobs here on The Brian Nichols Show. Hey man, thanks for having me on. Absolutely, thanks for uh, for joining the show, and thank you to uh, your your uh, coworker there, Alex, for reaching out um to to get you onto the show because you're doing a lot of great work over at Ammo.com. And uh, no, for those of the people who maybe are not aware of Ammo.com, it's probably one of the largest uh, pro Second Amendment websites that's on the web. Um, but. Let's first and foremost kind of rewind a little bit, Sam. Introduce yourself to my audience, and and for those of you uh, who out there who are not aware who Sam is, uh, it'll be a great chance for Sam to kind of explain his background, his history, and you know maybe a little different politics than we're used to hearing here at The Brian Nichols Show.
1: So awesome. my name is Sam Jacobs. I'm the lead writer and chief historian at Ammo.com. Uh, got hired on there, I think, to write just kind of pretty run-of-the-mill stuff about um, second amendment and, you know, gun stuff, but we kind of very quickly realized that there was, there was more that could happen, um, with my interest in history and writing and what ammo.com was trying to do in terms of, you know, being more than just kind of more than Mm -hmm. just a place for people to go and buy some, some discount ammunition, but really a place to, for people to arm themselves with, with ideas. Um, and as we briefly discussed before, um, I came on, my politics are I, I frequently identify as a jacksonian conservative um i am lean toward more towards a conservative side of things than a libertarian side of things however i do think that uh libertarians are f- mostly right on um both the ineptitude and the mendacity of the federal government and i have an extreme distrust for large institutions in general um, be they corporate or governmental, which I think we'll be talking a lot about today.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And and that's partly why I wanted to have you on the show, because Alex sent over the article that you had written over on Ammo.com, which is titled Deplatformed, How Big Tech Companies in Corporate America Subvert the Second Amendment. And, uh, you know, it, it, that first and foremost that headline made my, my ears kind of perk up a little bit because libertarians and, you know, we'll kind of start the premise here. Libertarians, Genuinely look at the this uh, this conversation that's taking place, especially with the more conservative side of of the, the aisle, and talking about how how we're gonna deal with big tech companies now. There's been obviously the the fervor that's been taking place over the past you know two years with deplatforming and you know we've seen the likes of Alex Jones and Stefan Molyneux and you go down the list of people who have had their platforms uh, removed and you know even some libertarian groups like you know Liberty Memes had well over half a million subscribers before Facebook just arbitrarily decided to axe them and I think they're on their like their fourth iteration of Liberty Memes now um, just to be able to you know exist and they only have around like eight thousand followers because every time they get Uh, Acts from Facebook, they just start from fresh. Um, So I know there's a lot of libertarians who are sympathetic with the conservative argument that you have these massive tech companies that are out there and they pretty much are able to do what they want. Now, I don't have to, to preach to you the libertarian argument. For those in the audience, though, who maybe have not heard the libertarian argument to these tech companies, it's not so much saying, okay, the tech companies are doing something, quote unquote, bad, but more so, what can we do to solve the issue? And it seems a lot of conservatives say, "Well, that's where the role of government actually should come into play." And I know there's the um, I forget the the subsection of I forget the the regulation that basically it's saying that these platforms are no longer serving as platforms, but rather they're editorializing. They're they're actually helping craft narratives, which is is really removing their ability to be um you know a non-biased publisher. And with that, the protections are are covered under the government now. The conservative argument, now I'm not trying to straw man anybody, but seems to be, well, government needs to step in and and put a stop to them, you know, just being this non-biased non uh, non-p- platform. Whereas libertarians tend to say, well, okay, how about this? We can acknowledge that they're doing terrible. They're doing terrible things, deplatforming, you know, liberty-oriented voices. Why not make a, an alternative? So with that being said, Sam, I'll kind of set the, uh, the, the, the stage up here for you. What's your take being a quote unquote Jacksonian conservative and, and how you're you, number one diagnosis issue with deep platforming. But number two, really, what is your um solution to this problem?
1: Well, look, I'll be the first to say that I am more of a identifying a problem than a providing a solution guy. But in my kind of, you know, more or less limited information about it. And, I you know, obviously, I wrote this article. I know more about it than most people. But I would personally be happy with just starting with enforcing the law. And as far as I can tell, um, which I think is, you know, many times it's just about, well, we already have these laws on the books. Well, why don't we enforce them? Um, I think that if we told Facebook tomorrow that they are not a content neutral platform, that they're an editorial platform, and we're going to treat them as such, that they would become a content neutral, neutral platform pretty quickly. Um, I I, I mean, that's the thing is if they're if they're an editorial platform, if they're crafting narrative, then they can be treated like a publisher and publishers can be sued for defamation um, for anything. I mean, if a drug deal goes down on Facebook, you know, they can be held legally liable for that if they're not a content neutral platform, which they're clearly not. Now, this is a corporate decision on their part. There's no reason they couldn't be. A content neutral platform and I'm not you know suggesting that they become some sort of like Silk Road thing where people can be buying drugs on on Facebook market or something and that they be that hands-off what I am suggesting is that they effectively are compelled to do what what gab does and I do have problems with gab I'm not endorsing gab um, but gab's policy is all legal speech all legally protected speech. Um, I think that you know it's not even necessary to get in the weeds about what restrictions there ought to be on free speech. If any, I lean towards there being none. but the current legal restrictions on free speech in the United States are m- minimal. I mean this is why like if you live in England and a, and a, and and you say something about a, a member of parliament right. and they say they're going to sue you you better lawyer up fast because their their defamation laws are no joke and and you're going to have a, I mean this is why David Icke's books aren't published in 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 the UK not that I'm you know suggesting that that David Icke is like onto something but like I don't I don't think that David Ike should be legally prohibited from publishing his books in the Uni- in, in the United States. He is in the United Kingdom. So we actually have fairly permissive laws as regards this and I, and I, I don't think it requires really any um, new statute or enforcement agency or anything like this. I think it's as simple as the as the Attorney General putting these places on notice and saying, listen, you're a content neutral platform or you're an editorial platform. You pick which one, but we're gonna treat you accordingly. Interesting. Um, let me ask you this. So with the 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 content
0: neutral platform versus being an editorialized platform, wouldn't it stand a reason? And this is coming again from more of a libertarian perspective, wouldn't it stand a reason that the issue that we're seeing right now, right, with that being a content neutral platform versus the editorialized platform that you know the publisher, that really those two differences are mainly just put in place by government edict in general. So it's kind of the government that's actually creating the problem, not the other way
1: around. Um, well, I honestly, I don't really know how I would begin to unpack that. I mean, I think that as we kind of discussed like off uh, before this, there's, there's, you know, if you just think that like, if you kind of have a philosophical obligation to the government ever doing anything, then, i don't know what else you can really do but kind of throw your hands up and say oh the free market has spoken but i have a very difficult time believing that the founding fathers would have said well our entire media economy is controlled by four countries that are hostile to the nation's values. Oops, the free market is spoken. We can't do anything about it. You know, I just don't really like, that's not the position that I come from. And I'm not unsympathetic to the idea that I'm sure that there is a million regulations that I don't know about that exist that make it possible for these companies to even be as big as they are you know, that to the point where they dominate the media landscape in the way that they do. I'm sure that that's the case. Um, I, I have I have no doubt at all that these companies are protected by a bunch of regulations that I've never heard of that make it possible for them to do this. But what I'm more interested in is, you know, what what can we do in the here and now to make sure that I mean, th- we talk about like deplatforming. platforming as if it's like Alex Jones is some 15 year old high school kid (laughs) who got his MySpace page shut down. It's like, how much income has he lost from this, you know? And like people whose entire livelihoods are tied up on, on, on on YouTube and then YouTube yanks their content. It's not. And, and and the thing is, it's like, they're not threatening anybody, you know, they're not, they're not encouraging any kind of illegal activity um these regulations like you know i'm sure that if you gave somebody 2 weeks they could cherry pick the the uh you know communist uh youtube account that was deplatformed but let's be honest about this they're targeting conservatives they're targeting libertarians um they're targeting you know in many cases people who are just kind of average americans with a right. with a more conservative bent i mean like a really good example is like they went after like Steven Crowder, mm-hmm. you know, like how yeah. harmless is that guy? Um, so this is the thing is like, they're putting their thumb on the scale, you know, to, to, to get a certain desired result. And I would argue that playing that tape forward, um, and allowing them to continue to do that and influence and, and frankly, influence our elections. You know, when people are worried about, uh, Russian meddling in American elections, I wish that, My eye roll could translate to audio, but, um, you know, and and it's like, you know, who's meddling in our elections? Silicon Valley is meddling in our elections and they're deeply hostile to American values.
0: Well, see, I'm not. So you're
1: just going to let them roll over you because it's the free market. I just, I don't. I, it's a philosophical difference that I just don't really have much of a counter for. And I was gonna say I'm I'm not um one to not be sympathetic to that argument because I mean you know back
0: I say a year and a half ago I had my friend Remzo Martinez on the show and uh you know he he was going through a whole deplatforming platforming situation himself and I mean yours truly uh over the Brian Nichols show Facebook page we received a a 30 day ban because I shared a meme and it was that uh that meme where the guys in the Spider Man costume standing on stage with the the blank screen. And uh, it was like, you know, oh, it'd be really sad if people uh, with this new gun ban, I forget where it was, um, this new gun ban were able to go to this website to download a, uh, a 3D printed version of, of an AR-15. Right. And that took me, you know, a, a 30 day ban. And, uh, you know, I wasn't able to really do much of anything on uh on my page and you know definitely I watched as you know it did hurt my numbers for my download numbers and stuff so it's not that I'm not sympathetic to the argument but then I I say okay well you know I look and see what's happening now we have Facebook who's you know it seems that they're tempering a little bit with regards to um allowing you know more open political speech which I will say I'm you know, cautiously. Optimistic yes, because about. Ted
1: Cruz dragged them in the Senate. He absolutely did. They didn't do this out of the kindness of their heart. They they did it because Ted Cruz spent, you know, two days dragging them in, in front of the Senate. Right.
0: And then that goes to the point that you were making. And that kind of goes to the reason um, I had you in the show and that was your article. And you had a great line in the article. And it, it really, um, you know, it, it, kind of made me start to really reconsider some of my own, you know, preconceived notions. The line you had is, uh, this is the situation in which we find ourselves as a nation today. Guns are not illegal, but private companies will make it increasingly difficult to buy, sell, or own them, up to and including pulling your bank account. You have all the freedom of speech you like, but prepare to be deplatformed or have your voice buried by a large tech corporations with their thumb on the scale of American discourse. And I, I, I gotta say, I, I definitely empathize with that argument. Now, my question comes to, okay, so... In what way can and I know you said you weren't really focused so much on the solutions, more as identifying the problem. But then this is my my you know libertarian and also my day job. I'm a consultant. Um, you know, brain starting to work, and it's how would we be able to remedy the situation without creating a situation where government is going to have more power than it did beforehand? That can it, it, right now it might be used in this quote unquote for good, but can that power be quickly used by the other side to then you know do the exact opposite in the future when they are the ones in control of government and they're the ones actually controlling the the power of government and ultimately going to be able to you know impact us on a much more you know severe basis?
1: Well, I think that there's a difference between laws that are written as thou shalt not and and laws that are written as thou shalt um, so I think that that's one way that it may break down. so for example, um you know, I I find it very difficult to believe that anyone would think it was OK. For example, um, if your you know phone company decided that you weren't going to get phone service anymore, say your Internet service provider was going to pull your Internet service because you run a libertarian podcast, you know, I have a really I think it becomes more clear when you kind of put it in that sense. I don't think I, I think that very few people would think that that was OK or should be legally permissible. Um, It's funny funny
0: you use that as the example because my my day job's in telecom.
1: (laughs) Okay. Um, But like, you know, so there's a difference between a law that says thou shalt not, you know, and and I think that this is really simplifying it, P.S. So I don't don't want anyone to to think that I'm saying that the government should pass a law that says whatever. Uh, But I think that there's a vast difference between the government saying thou shalt not, you know – Deplatform platform people for legal speech and thou shalt make sure that everyone has equal access to social media. You know, I think that the former is, is, is restrictive, um, in a way that, that kind of protects people's ability to operate freely. And I think that the latter is totalitarian. Um, and, and I, I, and I and I feel absolutely no reservation towards calling it totalitarian because I think that there's, as I said, there's a vast difference between, um, you know, restricting. I mean, there's also like the the no the the, the kind of tendency of people to, you know, look at like Facebook as if it's the corner lemonade stand or something, you know, and and, and I and I and I would be surprised if, um, you know, there weren't even a way to write. The laws so that they specifically targeted, you know the big tech companies that um, that were confronted with today. Again, I'm not a lawmaker, you know, and 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 not much of a solution guy, but I do think that it's important to 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 kind of look at these distinctions between the government compelling, um, you know, Facebook to ensure that everyone has equal access to Facebook, which I wouldn't be in favor of them doing, and the government compelling Facebook to not to not deprive people of the platform for political for politically motivated um, purposes. I think that there's a world of difference between those two things. Um, I also think that there's a world of difference between you know Joe Bob's Fish and Tackle Store and and Walmart. Um, Mm -hmm. Or Facebook or whatever. Um, And I think that, you know, as a sort of, again, a philosophical question, um, I'm not saying that I think that the government should necessarily be in the business of, you know, stepping on larger businesses or breaking them up or anything like that. Um, I think that trust busting, for example, has a has a mixed you know, uh, is a mixed bag. It's been successful in some places. It's been disastrous in others. Um, and, 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 you know, what, whatever. I'm not advoca- I'm not even necessarily advocating that the government trust bust these companies, um, though I would not shed a single tear if they did. Um, but I, I do think that, you know, kind of what makes um, uh, liberty possible is preventing power from being concentrated um, too much into one group of people's hands. I mean, this is the thing is like, you know, if here's a really good example. So people have probably noticed these signs on like Starbucks and maybe Walmart. I don't know. Um, But they're, you know, on the mall or whatever, you're not allowed to bring your weapon in here. Um, You know, there's like a gun crossed out sign and I'm in Arizona right now. Arizona is a constitutional carry state, right? But, like, if every chain store I go into I'm not allowed to carry, then how good is my constitutional carry right? You know, and I'm not, like, I think property rights are a right. I think property rights are an important right. However, I also think that it's important to examine the role that, you know, large companies have in dictating how people are actually allowed to live their lives. And so, like, if you drive around Phoenix— you know, and you got you technically, according to the law, have to leave your weapon in your truck every time you go into a Starbucks, a Walmart, a Best Buy, um, you know, wh- whatever. Pick pick a national retailer. You know, how much how much Second Amendment rights do you actually have? And why is it that um, wh- why is there this lack of concern when private when private sector organizations, which are massive and have a huge, um, social and economic footprint are going after your second amendment rights because it's not the government. Are you not being tread on because it's, because it's, you know, um, chase bank, taking your, taking your bank account away, which they, which they've done to people for political reasons. And if you think that we're more than 10 years away from chase bank, using public records to find out who's got a concealed carry permit and going after their bank accounts, you're a much more optimistic person than I am. So then that kind of goes into the question that I
0: personally have is kind of like this, um you know, this, this contractual relationship that we've entered into with these, these companies. Right. So for example, if you're working with PayPal, for example, um, you know, it would stand a reason that per your initial signing up with PayPal and obviously the T's and C's that are there, it's tough as an you know average you know citizen to go through and without a lawyer read the Ts and Cs and know exactly what it is that you're agreeing to. But I mean, it would stand to reason that when you go ahead to to sign up for these companies, you're either a acknowledging that you're using them as whatever you may be using them for. So, if it's PayPal for you know for payment processing, if it was going to Walmart to, to pick up your you know your spaghettios, whatever it may be, that you're you're either entering into an explicit or at the very least an implied contract, and and with that, I would I would at least. I think it makes sense that you would say, well, if something were to happen where they were to renege on that contract and they were to step back and say, ah, well, we're going to change the rules now, that that would, you know, lead to an actual, a a credible legal argument. And I would dare say that, you know, that would be something I think that a lot of conservatives would have more of a leg to stand on when it comes to discussing, you know, for example, the, the internet, uh, the internet discussion we were just having and in terms of deplatforming, because if, you know, for example, let's take Steven Crowder, um, with, with YouTube, if YouTube is violating the contractually entered into agreement that they have entered into with their users, then it would, it it seem that, you know, YouTube would be liable for any damages or or losses that were incurred by by those those uh, you know platformers. So, take it a step further in terms of why I think this is a really big you know big red flag and no no pun intended with gun control. Um, but why I get nervous is because when we were watching the the, the hearing where you know Mark Zuckerberg was speaking to uh, the House, I believe it was, or, or to the Senate, one of the two, and um, you know, it was asked of him, well, Mark, would you would you be willing to uh, to help us? Write these regulations um, to to you know make sure that you know whatever free speech is being listened to and he's like oh absolutely and that right there makes my my you know, skin crawl because. Of course he would be interested in helping write those regulations because he's going to write the regulations that will allow Facebook to meet the standard that they're putting in place, but will not allow companies like you know, you know, Gab, the the example you use, right. or Minds.com. it wouldn't allow them the opportunity to, you know, reach that that status. Because let's say, for example, you know, part of the regulation is you have to have, you know, one third of your workforce dedicated to enforcing internet, um, you know, internet speech or internet free speech. Right. Well, if you're Gab or Minds.com or you know, Jordan Peterson and Dave Rubin's new website, you know, are you able to devote a third of your your entire staff towards monitoring free speech? And I would you know, I I don't know the answer to that question, but I would dare say it'd be much more difficult for you to do that as a startup company than it would be for a massive corporation like like, you know, a Facebook or a Twitter or an Instagram, which is obviously owned by Facebook. So that's where I definitely get a little concerned. Um, so I guess kind of you know, what what would be your, your take on that?
1: Well, I think you're right to be skeptical of how the laws and the regulations are written. And I'm certainly not, you know, as as I often say, every every bad law in the books is written from the perspective of something must be done. Right. Um, And and I think that we are we are right to be skeptical of the relationship between big business and the federal government. Um, I also think that there's a very real problem. Of Congress abdicating its legislative authority to bureaucracies—that I think a number of your listeners are going to be um, familiar and—and and dare I say even impassioned about. I mean, this has been the standard for decades. I couldn't tell you how many. I mean, certainly as long as I've been alive, um, that or, pay, or old enough to be paying attention, um, that you know, the, the government, the 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 legislature, the Congress passes a law, and the law. Is, well, we created this regulatory body and we just kind of kick the can down the road to them and they'll figure it out and deal with it. Um, and I don't, I'm, I am, um, you know, pretty firmly in the camp that says that they're not really allowed to do that. <laughs> that that's, that's sort of an extra constitutional thing that they're just allowed to set up mm-hmm. these alphabet agencies to figure out what the law is. Um, These unelected bureaucrats decide, you know, what what the law actually says. Like, I don't believe that to be constitutional
0: because you're not going to get any libertarians who disagree with you on that for sure.
1: Right. Right. Exactly. I mean, that's the thing is, like, I have I have all of these. kind. Like, I'm, I, I'm very sympathetic to many of the libertarian arguments that boil down to how's the law going to be enforced? Who's going to write it? You know, like but where I where I differ is I don't think that. The possibility of there being a bad law should paralyze us from trying to get a good one, right? Um, so, you know, I think that. Uh, so, to use your example, if 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 you know the government, in a moment of of in air quotes, something must be done, came up with a law that said that thirty percent of all companies or uh, payroll has to be dedicated to speech enforcement. I would be opposed to that law. It doesn't mean I would be opposed to to, um, to laws that were more favorable to um, common people being able to express their ideas unmolested on the internet without having to worry about their livelihood being taken away, either in the form of, you know, um, being deplatformed from from something that they're getting a revenue stream, or you know, from as I say, you know, there's people who have had their bank account shut down um, because they run conservative um, podcasts, you know, so so I, I don't think that you can, in principle, be opposed. I don't think that being, in principle, in favor of, you know, the government t- taking steps to reasonable measures to make sure that um, that doesn't happen means that I have to be in favor of every stupid cockamamie thing that they come up with to solve it, because I'm certainly not. I and mean, it's the first question I'm going to ask if they're like, right. yeah. we, got, we got a law. OK, well, what does it actually do? You know, what is this law actually going to do? Because I know what you tell me it's going to do when you go up and, you know, give a speech or press release. But I want to know where the rubber meets the road. And I want to know how the thing is actually going to be enforced. And I don't accept as a matter of course that on this particular issue, which I think is, you know, I think that there are things that are outside the proper scope of government. I don't think that this is one of them. Um, Particularly, as I've said, it's very important, in my opinion, that we talk about this in concrete terms. The concrete terms are there are three or four companies who are hostile to American values. That is the very important and that is a very important part of this conversation is like this is not some kind of abstract, you know, oh, they're it's they're they're saying things thing. It's like, no, they're trying to manipulate our elections in a way that deprive us of freedom. They're trying to manipulate our economy in a way that deprives us of freedom. And it doesn't strike me as, as, as like, well, I guess I just throw my hands up because it's a private, it's a private company doing it. So I guess I just will, you know, leave my gun in my truck, um, and, and, you know, start only trading with Bitcoin. Um, Or what? however, I'm supposed to pay for stuff without a bank account. Like, yeah, go tell your landlord that you're going to start paying him in Monero. I don't (laughs) think so. Um, So, you know, that's the thing is I think that I don't think that the philosophical questions that you're asking are irrelevant or, you know, quote unquote stupid or anything like that. I think that they're important questions to ask. However, I also think that it's important to to make it concrete and talk about what we're actually talking about. Facebook hates your freedom of speech. Oh, they made, it very, yeah, they made it very clear they do. <laughs> right. Facebook hates your freedom of speech. Facebook hates your right to defend your family. You're going to let, like, your kids are going to grow up in this world. What are you going to do about it? Right. Nothing because they're a private company?
0: You know, it's funny because, um, you know, as, as, as a libertarian show start
1: your or payment platform, yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. I'll just start my own bank. Well, being a libertarian, like, podcast, like, it's tough because, you know, the the principle, and obviously this this is one thing in general for libertarians, and, you know, as we're having our conversation, like being pragmatic is a very dirty word in libertarian world, but it's so necessary because that's honestly why libertarians tend to lose is because we won't take a more pragmatic approach just in the conversations with people. I think it's important to have the principles, but it's also important to be able to talk to people who are living in the real world. And, and, you know, they're not stuck reading, you know, Mises and Hayek every single day and they're actually out, you know, trying to live their lives. And and yeah, like you're you're saying, Sam, like if, if something were to happen where, you know, your, your payment processor or your bank were to, you know, say, ah, sorry, you're, you're Doing something I we don't agree with, um, you know, on a, a moral level, then, you know, we're not going to service you. Yeah, that'd be a big issue. And, and you know, it would impact people in a very fundamental way. So, you know, I I definitely am empathetic towards the argument. And uh, I, I see definitely where, you know, folks on the, on the right, especially, you know, the argument that you're presenting today, I, I get it. And I, I see the merit to it. I'm still up in the air on it because I'm not sure if, if, you know, if I'm okay with the idea of, of government getting more power or in, you know, even in the world that you're saying of, you know, well, maybe they can make laws that are more explicit in terms of what government cannot do. Um, I just get nervous because I look at what government's done over the past when they said they, w- they would never do something that's bad. And then they end up doing it in a roundabout way of a loophole, but neither here nor there. So what I wanted to do before we wrap up, Sam is, you know, obviously you working at ammo.com, you, you live and breathe second amendment. So Kind of talk to us, you know, where we are here in 2020. Trump's been president for four years now. And uh, we're going into easily one of the most, you know, just vile elections we've seen in recent memory. Kind of, what's your perspective? Um, number one on how Trump's handled the Second Amendment, and two, where do you see the uh, the Second Amendment going forward in uh, in you know as we go towards the election? If Trump were to win and uh, you know maintain another four years of presidency, uh, or if uh, the the I say unthinkable, but in, anything in twenty twenty can really happen. It seems, um, you know, what would happen in in your eyes to the Second Amendment if you have someone like a Bernie Sanders or a Mike Bloomberg or name the uh, the, the the Democrat or the the socialist that's going to be the uh, Democratic
1: nominee if they were to win? I mean, Bernie Sanders actually has a pretty good like record on guns. It's his like—he's not one it's of his, his issues, right? <laughs> um, he's—he's—he's he's he's from Vermont. Right. Vermont is also a constitutional carry state. Um, you know, like I—I I think that Bernie Sanders may be, of all the people that you name the least threatening to Second Amendment rights. However, the big asterisk on that is like you know, what he says about guns now is very much in variance with what his kind of voting record on it is. So that would be a cause for concern. Um, you know, I mean the, the president, um, obviously, you know, I mean the, the bump stock ban is like a good example. Like, do you think Barack Obama could have got a bump stock ban through? Cause I don't
0: No, not at all. If anything, Uh, like if anything, and this is, uh, I mean, don't mean to interrupt you, but like one thing that I will say that, I would be okay with, and I'm saying that very, very tepidly is if a Democrat were to win, I mean, at least it seems like Republicans, conservatives and libertarians would unify in trying, well, at least for the, it seems like the Republicans, especially like to say, we care about you know, limited government and you know fiscal responsibility again. And they might have like a unified person to, to join against like they did with Obama or, you know, like the Republicans did with Clinton back in the nineties.
1: No, I think that, that I think that you make a really solid point on that. I mean, I think that, There's there's a there's a, um, you know, only Nixon could go to China kind of quality about the president, Mm -hmm. um, where I think that um, the Second Amendment is probably more imperiled than it was under Obama, because, um, you know, I again, this is one of those things. I don't think that your listeners are going to really disagree with me on like, you know, the NRA is not (laughs) is not a trustworthy entity for the most part, for people (laughs) who really value, uh, who really value, you know, second amendment freedom. Um, and he's kind of able to, you know, wrangle them in a way that, um, you know, Barack Obama or Bill Clinton, um, or probably even, you know, George, George W. Bush were not, um, able to, I mean, we're still waiting for silencers and like, you know, that's that's not going to happen. So I think that. Yeah, I think things are are probably more imperiled with Donald Trump than they have been any time during the century of all the people that you named the one that would be most frightening in terms of uh, Second Amendment freedom is is obviously. Michael Bloomberg.
0: I I literally mouthed his name before you even said it because I I knew you were going that route.
1: Yeah, Michael Bloomberg is 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 clearly the is clearly the 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 threat to um, gun freedom in the United States. But um, you know, I don't. I think that the only people who can beat Donald Trump are Bernie Sanders, um, and. You know, Andrew Yang is out and was never going to was never going to win anyway, was never going to mm-hmm. get the nomination. Um, but I think Bernie Sanders is a very credible um, candidate. Um, I think that Bernie Sanders is probably much more credible than people give him credit for, particularly because it looks as if um, the only it looks as if the the strategy against Sanders is going to be he's a socialist and there's like a bunch of people in America who are just going to say, I don't care. Yep. Um, you know, like, Trump. right, right. I mean, and I think that there's like middle of the road people who are just going to go, I don't care. What's Trump, you know, what's Trump done for me lately? Kind of kind of thing. I think that's where he falls apart. I think that the Sanders thing is really is more like a wild card than anything in <laughs> yeah. the same way that in the same way that Trump was in 2016. You know, I would have said the same thing four years ago at this time. Trump yep. can be Clinton. Will he? I don't know. But like we're in uncharted territory right now. So it's not like the type of thing that can 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 really, um, you know, be 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 quantified. But I I agree with you that, you know, if nothing else, one thing that we get out of Democratic administrations is um, pro gun people kind of circling the wagons, you know, in a way that like they 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 clearly haven't with president trump because the bump stock ban went through yeah and by the way how many days are we into not having a motive on the vegas shooter
0: that still that i mean i actually talked about this about like i don't know like six months ago i, that, I just dropped that line a podcast and that, at that point it's you know how long it, two years now it's it's insane
1: it's i believe it's closer to three why yeah it's, wow. it's 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 um yeah so there again, there's like it's a it's an only Nixon can go to China thing. Only Trump could have got bump stock bans through. Jo- I don't even think George W. Bush could have got bump stock ban. No. Could, could have got a bump stock ban through. Yeah. But there's like this kind of calculus of the president's, um, you know, political savvy in the sense of like knowing how to work back channels and get things done, and to use his phrase, make deals, and also his like kind of you know, glad handing back slapping, um, jocular nature that a lot of people, you know, myself included find, um, like I like the president, you know, it doesn't necessarily, I don't necessarily like his policies. Um, I don't necessarily think that he's been the, been the best president, but like, I like him. He's personable in my and partly because I'm from, you know, the Northeast and like loud, obnoxious guys are kind of like, I I know this. I know this guy very well. (laughs) Uh, I know this type of person very well. And I think that there's a lot of people, um, you know, not so much in the places that where George W. Bush had had his base and like you know, the South and Texas and Florida, like the kind of Southern Sunbelt states, um, where his most hardcore supporters were. I think that, that the president, the president Trump's are in like, you know, more Northern urban Rust Belt kind of centers where Mm -hmm. this more loud, brash style is common. And I think that it allows him to kind of get, you know, things, things done. Um, and many of which we don't want doing. Um, and so I think that, you know, he's he is. Um, I think that he's very dangerous for the Second Amendment in ways that um, are not commonly considered.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely uh, he can be a, a dark horse. And, uh, you know, fingers crossed that uh, something ends up <laughs> ends up better for the Second Amendment as we go towards uh, whatever happens in 2020. Um, but anyway, Sam, it's been a blast having the show. So what I want to do is, number one, folks, folks can go ahead and find you over on ammo.com forward slash our team, Sam Jacobs. Um, but where can go, uh, folks go ahead and find you if they're interested in, uh, you know, what's going on in social media?
1: Oh, I don't do any of that. None of it? But, uh, uh, um, no, I don't. But ammo, ammo has one. And give me a second, and I'll find it, and you can edit this out where I'm talking about it. Um, It's twitter.com forward slash ammo.com, like spell it out, D-O-T-C-O-M. I also would urge people to go to ammo.com forward slash podcast, where you could get um, some discounted ammunition. Um, And also, yeah, check out the Resistance Library. You know, I think that we write um, a lot of really good stuff over there. That kind of comes at these issues from different angles um, than people are used to from either, you know, traditional, traditionally conservative or libertarian minded and kind of, you know, choose on them in new ways. And we get into a lot of uh, unexplored um, historical topics that I think people will also be very interested in.
0: Awesome. Well, again, it's Ammo.com. I can again Twitter at Ammo.com. all spell it out. Um, But Sam Jacobs, thank you so much for joining The Brian Uncle Show. It was a blast.
1: Thanks for having me on.
0: All right, folks. So that's going to wrap up my conversation with Sam Jacobs from ammo.com. I told you guys, it was a great conversation. A lot of fun. And I got to say, I think uh, I think Sam's going to be one of our, our definite reoccurring guests, especially when we have topics uh, coming up uh, focused on the Second Amendment. Definitely, uh, not only is Ammo.com a great resource, guys, but they also have a lot of great stuff that's there as well. So make sure you go ahead and uh, go and check out that article that Sam wrote, but also uh, go ahead and support the guys over at Ammo.com. Actually, we had one of uh, Sam's co-workers there, Jose Nino on the show back uh, episode, I think 69, maybe, um, from April of 2019, uh, discussing some common gun control myths, so if you want to go ahead and, uh, check that episode out, feel free, uh, but guys, it was a blast, thank you so much for joining me here in the Brian Nichols Show, if you enjoyed today's episode, do me a favor, uh, share with some family and friends, and I'm going to challenge you guys, uh, this is a week, a five-person week, please, go out of your way, Facebook, Twitter, if you Want to tag me? I'll, I'll go ahead and retweet it over on Twitter, which of course you can follow me and uh, you know, go ahead and tag me at B Nichols Liberty, um, but also on Facebook. You can go ahead and follow us uh, at B Nichols Liberty as well. And uh, Facebook, again, you guys know and love the memes over on Facebook, but Twitter is definitely where we're going to go ahead and uh, you know, I'll give you that retweet. No questions asked if you uh, tag the Brian Nichols show uh, with that, the link here for today's episode. And folks, if you could do uh, one favor, one more favor for me, that is go to Apple Podcasts and give us a five star rating and review. Uh, that's how we are able to reach more people, folks. Um, really. That that's what helps. Uh, not only your sharing, of course, sharing the episode, um, but Apple Podcasts, that's how you move up the rankings. That's how you reach more people. So uh, rate and review, five stars, please and thank you. So with that folks, that's the show. I love you. Thanks for joining us again. So Brian Nichols signing off for Sam Jacobs from ammo.com. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Brian Nichols show. Find more episodes at BrianNicholsshow.com.